Hello and welcome along to the Event Industry News podcast. Uh, this podcast is kindly sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. Um, as always, a very good morning, afternoon or evening to our podcast followers wherever or whenever you may be tuning in from. Don't forget to stay up to date with all of the latest content from eventindustrynews.com by downloading the Event Industry News app available for all the major mobile devices. You, you can also tweet any opinions and questions that you've got for the podcast using Twitter via at Event News Blog. We welcome today's guest now. Um, let's get straight into it. Um, on the line is Gareth Hay. Gareth is the head of event networks at DB Systems. Gareth, thanks for joining the podcast today. Hi there. Um, what we're going to be talking about today on uh, today's podcast is venue Wi-Fi. Uh, this is a subject that hasn't cropped up on the podcast for a while now, but it's certainly something that we have looked at in some of the very early uh, episodes of the Event Industry News podcast. Um, Gareth, how far have we come? You know, uh, uh, there was a time where it was a real bugbear amongst event organisers. It was so inconsistent in some respects, and even the venues that claim to have really, really good uh, Wi-Fi and internet infrastructures, you know, were, were intermittent. Um, where do we sit now? Are we still at that scenario, or are all the venues all singing, all dancing, technological wonder pieces now? Um, every venue is different, um, and unfortunately we're still in that space where you can go to one venue one day and have a brilliant experience and all of your customers can have a great time, um, and the next day you can go somewhere else and really, really struggle um, and receive complaints all day, every day. Hmm. Um, the issue with this is... Um, for example, a lot of the European venues are actually sort of council run and owned, so therefore getting the budget to make changes or upgrades, um, even if they know they need them, um, getting that budget assigned is extremely difficult and a long process. Right. Um, so whereas you get other venues um, which have been very successful and had some really good experiences with things, and it also Technology partners are different. Um, for example, um, the Fira in Barcelona, you know, mm. yeah, very very well run venue, very good connectivity options there. Um, I won't name any ones that aren't good, but there are others around that have a lot more challenges. Or you know, it, for them it's not a important point, and it's until yeah, organisers make it an important point or actually start moving from those venues that that's when they're going to start actually having to face this. So, so an action speak louder than words type scenario where people actually vote with their feet by moving out of venues that are not giving the standards that people expect? Yeah. Um, now, don't get me wrong, it's very difficult from a venue point perspective as well. Um, there's a large amount of costs associated to mm -hmm. developing a Wi-Fi that will cope with everything. Um, one of our specialities is um, flexible Wi-Fi for venues, but also for exhibitors. Um, but you can see it from a venue's point of view if you know, their standard um, 
occupancy is somewhere in the region of 1,000 or 2,000 people, and then mm. the next day so it ends up with 20,000 people, it's a completely different um, setup that you need and a completely different solution. Um, and that, that so, would be getting into something sort of like scalable networks. Yeah, so, I mean, it's all down to various technologies and various partners and whose Wi-Fi you use. Um, mm. There are certain solutions out there that are a lot better than others. Uh, our preferred one is Ruckus, but Cisco is also a particularly good system. Um, but then you get into some other systems which, well, while they're great on coverage, um, mm. aren't necessarily very good at capacity. So then you can end up in situations where it will happily cover the building, but when you fill that building, it won't work. Um, if we pause there just a second, Gareth, and uh, uh, before we get maybe into the detail of how of how some of these networks can can um, can be configured and, and set up, and we should point out at, at this point in the podcast that that Gareth is going to be talking about the work that DB Systems do and when it's right for organisers and and event companies to start looking down the route of temporary networks of infrastructure that come in um, that are completely separate from a building's own uh, Wi-Fi infrastructure. What, what I'd first like to go back to is, is um, a little point that you made uh, about European venues and some of the publicly owned venues quite rightly not being able to, to commit huge amounts of money because they're publicly funded. Does that mean that some of the privately owned, uh, the privately owned venues that we know in the UK have been able to lead the way. How does UK infrastructure compare as a whole without naming any specific venues? As a whole, um, generally very good. Um, there's obviously some standouts in the UK. Um, there are also some ones that struggle in the UK. But privately owned venues generally, uh, in my personal experience, um, you know, your mileage may vary and all of these sort of things. Um, mm tend to be able to justify it quicker and easier. You know, if yeah. you can sit there and go, right, our clients are ready to move, um, if you're a privately owned venue, it's a lot easier for you to make that business case to go, okay, we need to upgrade. Yeah. Um, versus public in one, you know, and that's the nature of, you know, everything, unfortunately, on those ways. Um, but yes, generally I've found um, most of the larger UK venues are better than they, some of their European compa compatriots. Like I say, you've got the FIRA in Barcelona, which is absolutely stunning and really well done all the way through. So I'm not, it's not a UK-Europe thing. It is all down to the individual venues and, you know, there are particular standout and cases on both sides. The one last thing before we move on to, to actually exploring in detail the, the work that you guys do and, and how organizers can actually start combating or, or look at combating an issue of poor Wi-Fi, poor connectivity. Um, is there an, an underestimation of, uh, from venues, would you say, in your professional opinion, as to how bespoke a modern Wi-Fi network network needs to be for a major exhibition venue. Do, do, are there people out there who still still think that there are sort of off-the-shelf options that could just come and be installed and they'll be okay? Um, I think that has got 
gone away quite a lot. Uh, and I think that's not necessarily the venue's fault. That was there was a lot of you know salespeople around at various vendors who were turning around and saying, you know, oh, we can roll out this turnkey solution for you and it'll be fine. Um, right. It isn't. No, RF is very difficult. It's, it does some very odd things in different spaces, and we all know that every venue is completely different. You know, if you've got columns, if you haven't got columns, uh, are you near an airport? Um, yeah. If you're in Just a city the center, of the building itself, you know, I suppose, you know, as I understand it, you know, the actual architecture and how the building is engineered and designed and what materials we use to construct it, all of this will have a an effect one way or the other on 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 how the the network behaves once it's live. Yeah. And also, when you start getting into temporary venues, when you've got, um, I mean, one of the easiest venues to actually do is a very old venue with nice, big, thick walls that prevent Wi-Fi going through the walls. Because then you start being able to build for capacity naturally, because mm -hmm. it won't cover too big an area anyway. So then that access point will only do a small space, and therefore it will only do a small space it'll cover lots of people. Um, but when you get into more modern buildings where you know, you've got effectively a huge open space, mm. it, that one access point can be seen for ages. Um, so people will try to connect to it from way beyond the capabilities of their device. We, we, it, most of the time, um, it's not really the access point's fault. It's you've got a phone or a laptop um, and iPads and things like that nowadays, um, which have got very small Wi-Fi antennas and very small Wi-Fi cards uh, inside them, which are also designed to be low power so then they don't wear the battery out too quickly. Um, now, all of these things mean there's less power to transmit and less power for it to process the incoming signal. Sure. So when you're looking at these devices which are small and you know deliberately hobbling themselves in some ways um, mm -hmm. you need to design for that you know before when you maybe had a network that was great for laptops um, people aren't using laptops that often now you know if you go to an event everyone's on their phones you know people yep. sit down pull out a tablet when they sit down and do you know that 15 minutes worth of work they need to do on that event quite rare for someone to sit down and actually pull a laptop out and sit down for say half an hour, 45 minutes and do some work. It's all stuff while we're wandering around the venue, you know, you're sending emails on your phone while you're looking around and, or walking from one meeting to the next. So where you could have had a great one before where, you know, people were using laptops which have got nice big antennas like mounted at the back of the screens, mm. you know. A phone is smaller than the antenna in most laptops now, so you end up in the gone. Is, is this a, a question and a subject that crops up regularly when you are actually liaising with clients? So when you're sitting down with a client to discuss the requirements for any given event that you guys will go in and work at, 
is this is what you've just said something that now crops up regularly because I, I I wasn't aware of, of the differences between you know I just thought you know uh, uh, the Wi-Fi in a laptop will be the same as a Wi-Fi in a phone and a tablet I wasn't aware that there's such a significant difference in those mobile devices to the antennas in a, in a laptop and how that can then have a negative or a positive effect on on somebody's connectivity yeah so I mean one of our sort of main questions really nowadays um, is what type of client is coming to this? Hmm. So you'll have a completely different design for say if you've got a load of technology enthusiasts or people who use a large amount of technology in their day-to-day -day job versus yeah. public versus if you've got um, a show with you know C-level executives going to it, you've got a completely different sure. design again from now, so you've got to then think of, so tech enthusiasts will, A, they will bring multiple devices each, so you'll be generally looking at somewhere in the region of, well, personally, I've got four devices that I carry around day to day that have got a screen and a Wi-Fi card inside them, Same um, yeah. occasionally I carry five. Um, Versus if you're a member of the public attending an event, you've probably got your phone in your pocket, that one. Maybe got a tablet with you. Uh, if you're a C-level exec, most of it you'll be doing on your phone. You may have a couple of other devices with you, but most of the time you'll be going from meeting to meeting. The reason you're attending is to physically talk to these people. You know, If you wanted to do it via email, you wouldn't be there. Um, so for them, it's very much about catching them as they roam between areas. So things like uh, corridors and access ways, and you know, they can't have their connectivity drop through locations. Whereas public, you know, do you want to spend that extra bit of money so then someone who's walking between one hall and the other hall gets a seamless experience? Sometimes yes, sometimes no. It all depends on what your available budget is and where you dedicate it. Absolutely. And, and moving that on then, when you sit down with a client and you've established what their own clients and what their own visitors and attendees requirements are, what type of people they will be and what devices they're going to be carrying, uh, at what point then could you establish that the network is either going to, or what's in a, a venue is either going to be suitable or not suitable? Um, well, quite often the first, being as we attend somewhere in the region of um, well over, a, I'd have to get the exact numbers, but it's well over 2,000 events a year. We've got a fair idea about most venues in Europe. Right, um, okay. So we, we, you know, like I say, uh, fear of Barcelona. Mm -hmm. You know, happily carry on. You know, they will be able to support you and they will be able to look after your clients. Um, whereas there's other venues where we'll be able to turn around and say, look, you know, we, we may be able to help there. You know, um, but also... How does that ha I was going to say, how, how does that help? Is it too early to ask how does that help manifest itself? Well, um, for example, one of our clients, they... Um, were worried about some of their exhibitors leaving to an okay. arrival show. Um, 
other clients, um, they want to offer a better experience than is currently available in that venue. Um, and you know, there's a complete third set who are working in temporary venues where there is nothing. You know, it, they need to build and develop whatever they need at that point. Um, so every client is different. Uh, every network is different. Every venue is different. Um, and you need to think about what everyone's needs are and how you can service them both. Um, when it comes to servicing it, one thing I was I was keen to ask you on today's podcast is um, is the use of the 4G networks that are out there now because I, I like most people have a a mobile phone now that has 4G capability on it, and I find that um, in some day to day venues I could just be in a in a hotel you know meeting somebody or or a small scale conference and hotel Wi-Fi can be pretty useless sometimes if we're being honest um, and my 4G connection is 10 or 20 times faster and I'll just stay on that 4G connection. It, it, I've, I've seen examples uh, of 4G being used to either turbocharge or, or bring in supplementary networks. Is that something that you guys um, also work within? Is that, is that a, a service that, that can be brought to the table now? So 4G if a venue has done built their Wi-Fi really well and um, it's great and you know no worries. I mean, 4G still has a space, um, partly because um, there aren't all. Not every venue is like that. Not every venue is intending to be like that. You know, there there are certain ones where you you actually go there because the floor space is cheap because that's what you need. Uh, yeah. is a large amount of floor space. Um, now, the issue with 4, 4G um, on phones is quite difficult. Uh, the main reason is um, one of the first things that the networks do when a cell tower gets busy is actually start throttling data. Um, and that is something you can't predict. And it may not even be your event. Um, so say they have an outage on one of their towers that this one happens to also cover, um, they may start throttling and you won't know and you'll never know and you'll, you couldn't plan for that. Um, but what the, the operators do offer as well is what's called M2M data. So that's, it was originally designed for, it's called machine to machine mm -hmm. and it was designed for um, basically computers that have to move. Um, right. This is people, things like the, all the various computers inside a police car. Um, most police cars now are small data centers really. They're carrying video and they're accessing all of the various interesting new services they've got on them. Um, sure. But to do that they need data. Um, so the operators started offering end-to-end uh, -end data which allows um, a better service level. Now, it's still variable, but it is one of the things that the operators try and support most because the data costs more. <clears throat> so while you could sit there with your phone and just click hotspot, and that yeah. might work. Yeah, I'm not saying it won't in any way, shape, or form, um, 
you've no guarantee on that. And if your whole reason for exhibiting is to show off something that has to be online, mm -hmm. that's a large risk. Um, so it, it, bringing 4G into a venue is something that I would consider second to third case. Um, but it is an off a service that's there. I think where it really shines is being able to offer stuff where there are no, no options. You know, where you want to do an activation somewhere and you're going to be there for two days and you know, the ability to support 30 to 40 meg a second internet connection while you do it. Sure, that's yeah. where it really shines. And, and, and things like that, I suppose, would be relevant. The, the ones that would spring to mind would be things like Greenfield events, but also things like experiential, a lot of these branding events where they'll put up a temporary venue or even like a sort of a pop-up structure in a town centre precinct or something like that where there's no, there's, I, I guess there's no hard cabling, there's nowhere that you can you can tap into a hardwired connection. Are these the sort of scenarios where you would then look at, at putting in these sort of mobile networks? Yeah, no, those things are exactly where it's really aimed at because um, most of the, so municipal Wi-Fi is a thing that's existing now and it's uh, going out through quite a few um, areas in the UK. Mm -hmm. But the issue with that is they block a lot of the things and you, again, you won't find these out until you get there. So if you've got a tour on a bus that's driving up and down the UK, you find out too late. You know, you, you're already stuck in this, where, whichever city you happen to be in, without yeah. a connection. Um, or if you, like I say, little pop-ups, you know, it's, the entire thing is designed to be up and down in an evening. Yeah. Um, so planning these sort of things in advance and or finding out last minute that you've got to change and it's the events industry, everything changes all day, every day. Um, <laughs> To plan to not have your own options of connectivity is dangerous, in my opinion. But I would say that I sell it. Um, <laughs> and does, has the has the quality of the tech and 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 the the way that you can manage it become easier? And has that in turn allowed you to be more reactive to if you're presented with last minute issues, or is it still? generally speaking, a, a, an area of infrastructure that really you need as much notice on as possible to, to be able to, to, to bring any sort of quality service to it? No, I mean, like I said, um, the sort of the ability, the things like the police, the police cars becoming little data centers driving around have driven sort of 4G and the mobile data and the sort of ability to get these sorts of things into areas quickly and you know there's become an entire industry around this um, it's the same industry really that a lot of the internet of things is coming on to so the ability to offer this um, is becoming bigger and bigger because and the cost of data is coming down but not as quickly as people want to use it um, but the ability to call today and have something with you in three hours is now capable. You know, it is literally transport time that's becoming the issue now. Um, 
Sure, yeah. The ability to actually turn up and go, this is a problem. Um, now, don't get me wrong, the more noticed, the better with everything, but um, 4G is, that's where it really, again, one of its big shining things is the ability to go, right, we're here, let's sort something. Um, but, like I say, bring it into venues, um, I, it's not my first recommendation to anyone. Okay, and, and, and I suppose going back to the venues, what, um, and I'll find the right way to, 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 to phrase the question. Uh, I guess you guys must work in between or as a, as a, as a contractor to event organisers who are going into major venues, and the major venues themselves will likely have an in-house uh, communications team that can help them access networks and things like that. Um, are you finding that the services that you provide as a as a third party coming in to advise on a particular venue, um, have you seen more and more event organisers wanting to come to a company like you for third party advice, or there are still a lot of event organisers who will only just work directly with the venue and their team and let them advise them on on what's happening? How how does how does the process generally work, or or is it you know different in every case? Um, it is different in every case, but we are starting to see more organisers um, take things into their own hands um, because one particular client have had um, some issues for so long that they just stopped listening to venues um, right. and saying, we know this can work. You know, it is possible. We've seen it. You know, we've been to it. Yeah. So let's make it work for us. Um, so, more and more organisers are taking it into their own hands and taking it sort of away from the venues to tell them what's possible. Um, partly because there are some shining cases out there that really show it is actually possible. So, why can't it work for them? And that, that's what, in many respects, that's what drives the event industry, doesn't it? In whichever avenue of the, of the events industry you're working in, you see another event doing something that you like, and you think, well, why can't I do that? How can I do that? And that's when they start exploring and picking up the phone or Googling and finding people like you that, that, that can come and help them. Yeah, I mean, you know, we all learn from each other, and that's how we drive everyone better. Yeah. When, when it um, going back to what we were talking about at the start of the episode about the actual the infrastructure that's in the venues at the moment, um, like uh, technology is constantly being driven down in price. You know, we're constantly seeing new models of devices coming out, and and with every new model that comes out, the previous ones become a little bit cheaper, and tech as a whole is is growing and becoming cheaper to access. Um, is is that the same when you when you talked about budgets and the cost of putting in appropriate quality modern networks into venues, is the cost of that all similarly coming down? Because it would appear that it's not maybe coming down as quick as we would hope it to, otherwise all the venues would have super fast connectivity. Uh, connectivity, the actual, I'm going to sort of split this into two, so the internet connectivity is certainly not coming down in price, um, anywhere near as fast as um, the ability for people to use it. Um, on average, we're seeing um, three times the amount of data use a year. So what would have worked last year 
you need three times the amount to handle this year. Um, right. And we're also seeing that on Wi-Fi. Uh, a lot more people have got it. And on the actual sort of infrastructure internally side, that's not really coming down either because um, some of the, I mean, some of the technologies that used to only exist in data centers is now mm. becoming cheap enough for you to, well, for us to be able to deploy it on a temporary, um, especially for venues to have it in permanently. Um, but again, all that happens is they bring out the next thing and the next yeah. thing after that. Um, and it is something that is continually upgrading and like I say, it's driven by the clients, it's driven by um, what people are expecting to do. So I mean, it's only seven years ago, you, you wouldn't think about watching YouTube on your phone because you couldn't afford it. Um, and yeah, it wouldn't, wouldn't be fast enough. It. Yeah, but you wouldn't use the data on your phone and you'd, you'd wait until you get to somewhere with Wi-Fi. Um, yeah. But you know, 4K—that's a lot more data. Every, you know, all of the new and interesting things that happen in technology um, use more data, um, which therefore means that every time you do an upgrade, you've got to actually think, "What are we going to be doing?" Not now, but in say budgeted for a refresh every three years. You need mm -hmm. to be thinking about. You know what we're going to be doing in three years' time, uh, and what are our, our clients going to be doing? Um, yeah, it's great that services like Twitter exist because that's tiny amounts of data, but everything else is big. It's getting bigger, and it's and, and it's frightening, really. That the um, I, I love a stat, and and the fact that you, you you know you've said that we're using three times the amount of data from from you know year on year is that right? It, it, effectively, year on year, we're, we're we're trebling how much data we access. Yeah, um, that's generally what we're seeing across all our sites at the moment. Is um, yeah, three times the amount of data per person, um, and more people connecting. And uh, because even gone. And I, I was just going to say, as, as, as you rightly point out, you know that, that it then it then leads to the to the to the realistic um, uh, scenario of a venue not just saying, right, we now need to upgrade our network to something that that you know our clients demand of in a modern venue. They actually need to be having long-term plans in place to to maintain and upgrade that network in line with the amount of data that we're using because I know it's a bit of an urban myth about the fourth road bridge where you know they, they start painting it at one end they get to the other end finish painting it and then they have to go back to the start and, and start it again but it seems like that, that as an analogy that that might ring true to what we're talking about here you know that they, they need to be looking every you know two three four years at least to be to be upgrading the networks yeah and partly I mean um, you know the manufacturers are they're working at a pace as well. Um, you know, AC Wi-Fi um, Wave Two is now. You know, most manufacturers have got multiple models of it. But two years ago, it was the bleeding edge. You only had one or two things that existed of it. Now it's it's almost in their their basic items. So you know, Wave Three, not anytime soon. 
But also, what's next? 60 gig Wi-Fi will be coming along, um, which is aimed for sort of HDMI cable replacement. Now, that will be a very interesting challenge for a venue, Um, mainly because it doesn't go very far, uh, and it really doesn't like walls um, (laughs) or people. Um, Which is a minor drawback in a a major exhibition uh, venue. Uh, one of the interesting things about um, doing exhibition and event one uh, Wi-Fi is um, actually calculating how far Wi-Fi will go through people, because people are 90% water, and water is a really, really good um, absorber of 2.4 and 5 gig as frequencies. Um, interesting. Oh, it's how a microwave works. Two point, a microwave is 2.4 transmitter and it heats up the water inside your food. Right, okay, there we go. We're, lear- we're learning stuff on today's podcast. So, but yeah, you, you actually do have to account for the people in the room. So what possibly could work um, when it's empty and when it's at half capacity, you suddenly put large amounts of people in a room and actually physically having them there, it doesn't travel as far. Wow. This is uh, so. When you're talking about, I'm just trying to, trying to think, think the basic uh, maths on this. But I'm I'm sure you guys will have equations and, uh, and and processes by which to calculate all of this. That presumably, if you know that there's going to be six thousand people in a room, you know that it's going to have a certain detrimental effect on any given level of Wi-Fi signal or or capacity. Well. It mainly has an issue on coverage, and right. nowadays, um, yes, we could work it out, um, but it's capacity that's the important part, and mm-hmm. the main reason you worry about coverage nowadays is to, actually, to get your access points to not go, or um, let each one uh, to service as small an area as possible, so, because and this ties most, back into this ties back into yeah. what you were saying about the old venues with the nice thick brick walls and that don't have vast cavernous open clear span you know spaces. They're actually the easy ones to work in, and this this dovetails back into that for the sounds of things. Yeah, no, it does. And so um, venues with columns, you, I love a good column because it's it's a nice big brick between one side <laughs> of the venue and the other. Um, <laughs> And it, it really does make that much of a difference that um, you can start reusing channels one side of a column, then not necessarily the nick on the other side of it, but certainly on the other side of the one after that. And mm. um, it does make the design interesting, but it certainly makes it slightly easier than when you've got a completely open space. Um, but yeah, no. Uh, and hopefully, so we're getting towards towards the end of the episode. So, so unfortunately, we're going to start wrapping up. But what I was going to say is that hopefully, the event organisers listen to this today. One one of the things that they can they can take out of it is if they have a choice of many different ven if they're looking at putting on an event and they're looking at multiple venues as as options to host that event. 
by listening to this, they hopefully have learned something to actually uh, put on as a criteria or something to consider when they're looking at venues. Somebody could actually go around and look at a venue and listening to today's podcast and listen to what you've had to say, Gareth, actually look and think, ah, actually, based on that, we could actually create you know, nice clear access points and in individual areas. So that there is that consideration when looking at a venue that this now becomes a key piece of criteria when they're choosing where to have their event. Yeah, um, and it's uh, silly things. Like, if you've got lots of executives, make sure they cover the corridors between the uh, various areas you're going to be working in. Because there'll be nothing worse than as they walk between their meetings, they can't send that email. Because that, that's going to likely going to be the peak time that, or, or, or the, the key area where they are going to do it, aren't they? They're going to leave one particular seminar or session. They're going to walk to the next one, and it's that transition period where they're actually going to get out the phones out of their pockets, check their emails, and, and reply to anything that needs attending to. Yeah. Um, we've been talking on today's podcast to Gareth Hay. Gareth is the head of events networks at DB Systems and um, has given us fantastic insight into some of the some of the the issues that that, that we still face with with venue Wi-Fi and connectivity and uh, and some of the things to look out for. What works, what doesn't work, um, and I'm sure that people listening to today's podcast or watching today's podcast um, may have some questions or want to get in touch with you, Gareth. How, how do they find out more about DB Systems? Um. Uh, we've got a website, we've got emails, we've got everything. Um, so if they want to get hold of myself, I'm gareth.hay, which is H-A-Y, at dbsystems.co.uk, um, or dbsystems.co.uk is a website, and um, we've got our telephone number and all our various um, Twitter and Facebook and all the various details that everyone's got now. So, um, yeah, feel free to get a hold of us. No, no excuse for people not to be able to track down the guys at DB Systems. If you have got any questions, feel free to uh, to put them directly to the guys there. Um, we're going to wrap up today's podcast. The podcast, uh, as always, is sponsored by Visit by GES, our smart event solution partner. For more information on Visit by GES and its smart event solutions, head over to visit.ges.com. Once again, our thanks to today's guest, Gareth Hay, Head of Events Networks at DB Systems. Um, don't forget to download the Event Industry News app available for all the major mobile devices uh, and you will be notified and kept up to date with all the latest breaking news and content that's been put out via Event Industry News and follow us on Twitter at Event News Blog. That's it for today's podcast. Thanks again to Gareth and uh, we look forward to seeing you next time. Good night. Mm -hmm.